Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you happen to be watching this, listening to this. Where do you want to be buried? Wait a minute, you say. You're not thinking at all about dying, much less of where to be buried. Well, the younger you are, the less likely you are to be thinking about that. The older you get, the more dying becomes real and and where to be buried becomes a definite decision to make. Unless you decide just to let it go and let your remaining family members take care of it. Well, Jacob was nearing 150 years old. That, that's kind of old, huh? 150 years. And he was thinking about where to be buried. But before we get to that, let's uh, get some background. Reviewing some of the things that uh, we've already talked about. That is in this whole series on the book of Genesis that we've been studying together. Joseph, you will remember, was sold as a slave into Egypt. We won't go into all the details there, but he became ruler over Egypt next to Pharaoh. And there was a great famine in the land. And the famine was not only in Egypt, but the famine was in Canaan also, where all of his family was. Making a long story short, his family ended up coming down into Egypt after Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And they were about 70 or 75 people all together. And where are they going to live? Well, there are three things in chapter 47, that's the chapter we're looking at today, that tell us about where they're going to locate. In Genesis 47, 6, it says, The land of Egypt is before you. Make your father and your brothers, this is Pharaoh talking to Joseph, make your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen, the best of the land. Well, they were shepherds, and of course they needed grazing grounds for their flocks. And if you know anything about Egypt, Egypt is almost all desert. And depends upon the Nile overflowing every year so that they can grow things along uh, the sides of the Nile. But the Nile Delta is very big with the channels of the river in all different kinds of directions, and that is the green part of Egypt. So there's plenty of pasture ground there. And so that's what Pharaoh is talking about when he says, make your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. And he names it as being Joseph, Goshen, I'm sorry. In verse 11, it says that Joseph placed his father and his brothers 
and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses. Here it mentions Pharaoh Ramesses as another term for that area where they were going to be in the land of Goshen. Wonderful land. It was a time of famine. The famine was in Egypt. The famine was in Canaan. It was all over the place. And according to the predictions that God had given to Joseph, it was going to last for seven years. So they've got the best of the land there in Egypt. These people who are foreigners who have come in. The term Goshen has from that been connected with the idea of comfort and plenty and uh, a wonderful land, a good land. And it certainly was a good land, a land of plenty, a land of comfort, a land where they could be fed and all during the time when there was famine in the land and the people in the other parts of Egypt were suffering considerably. And as we read through chapter 47, it speaks of the hardship, of the difficulties. The people didn't have food and they had to get it from Joseph who had it all stored up in granaries and everything. And the people had to sell their possessions to Joseph to get food. They finally had to sell their land to Joseph in order to get the food. And in verse 27, it says, after explaining all of those things and what Joseph was doing for the people and all, it says, Israel, that is Jacob, lived in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they got themselves possessions therein and were fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. So they were doing good. They weren't in Canaan where things were quite bad now. They were doing good. And so Goshen has been identified as, as a word using when the land is really good. But it wasn't always going to be that way. It was good at the time. But things were going to change. God had told Abraham way back in Genesis 15, know for sure that your seed will live as foreigners in a land that is not theirs. doesn't name Egypt here, but God says your, your ancestors, and that's Jacob and Jacob's family, are going to live as foreigners in a land that's not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. So Goshen was nice at the time. But it wasn't always going to be that way. It was going to turn to a place of slavery. And of course, most of you know the story and everything that happened and uh, how they became slaves and the slavery got bad and worse when Moses came around and w under God's direction was trying to help the people, but things got worse. We won't go into all that. That's in future study and Exodus. But the point is, the land of Goshen at the time was a good land, a land of comfort, a land of plenty, 
in the midst of suffering in other parts of the world. But it wasn't always going to be that way. Is the United States of America your Goshen? Land of plenty? Oh yeah, I know you can talk about the problems that are going on right now and of course the COVID all over the world and different problems nationally and etc. We can name all kinds of problems. But let's face it, compared to how much of the world lives today. We're in Goshen, the land of plenty. Why do you think so many people want to come in here? Why do you think there's so much discussion about illegal aliens coming in and all that kind of thing? It's because people from all around the world want part of the pie. They want part of the blessings that we have here. We've got Loads of blessings here compared to what's happening in in so much of the world. We can give thanks to God over and over again for the things that we have here. Any of you who've traveled outside the country, places like Central America and many places around the world, know the vast difference between the way people live there and the way people live here. Is this your Goshen? You know, Goshen, as we said, didn't always stay that way. In the United States of America, it may not stay that way either. You study history, and empires rise and empires fall. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Nations rise and nations fall. And that could well be the future of this country. But Speaking of Jacob, Jacob was in Goshen. It was a good place to be. He was being blessed there. He was being taken care of there. They had plenty there for him and, and for his family. It was good at that time. He was told later it was going to be different, but at that time, it was good. But now, the end of the chapter 47, just a few verses there at the end of the chapter. But that's what really caught my attention when I looked at this chapter and thought about what, uh, what takeaways do we have from this chapter? And to me, it jumped out at me that the takeaways from this chapter was not the land of Goshen and the plenty and the comfort and the blessings of God there and then. That's where Joseph's body was. But the end of the chapter to me tells us where I said Joseph, I'm sorry, Jacob. Tells us where Jacob's heart was. Let's read it. Chapter 47, verse 29, beginning. The time drew near that Israel must die. I don't know how he knew that. You know, he lived almost 150 years, but he, he, he 
gives a sense that the time is coming, he's going to die. And he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. This is the way back then they did an oath. I don't really understand it, but anyway. Please don't bury me in Egypt. But when I sleep with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He said, that is, Joseph said, I will do as you have said. And then Jacob said, swear to me. And Joseph swore to him. Israel bowed himself on his bed's head. Don't bury me in Egypt. Bury me up there where my fathers are already buried. In Canaan. Jacob's heart was in Canaan. He wanted to be buried there. I asked him to begin with, where do you want to be buried? And that's why, because we're coming into this where Jacob wants to be married. Buried. I imagine that most of us nowadays don't think too much about where to be buried except uh, maybe the expense involved and the convenience involved and so forth and uh, I don't remember exactly when it was but as Margaret was approaching death why we were thinking about burial and the most convenient place and cheapest place was uh, the town burial grounds here in Northborough and so uh, the family bought a plot for both Margaret and myself I don't have to think about where I want to be buried it's already the plot is already there and that's where she's buried and most people I think just they, they get buried wherever's the nearest place but not everybody some people have such a special attraction to a particular place that when they die they want to be buried there even if it costs money even if it means you got to carry their body on an airplane to some state maybe where they grew up. Or even some people, they want their body taken back to their country of origin and be buried there. I think the most outstanding case in Scripture of where a person wants to be buried, at least to me, it's the one that really stands out, is Ruth. Ruth gives a fantastic pledge not to her husband he's dead not to her mother we don't know anything about her mother but to, to her mother-in-law you know all the jokes which is sad about mother-in-laws Ruth is talking to her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law is trying to tell her you know I'm, I'm going back to my land you go back to your people and live there I've got I've got nothing for you she even talks about, you know, if I had a son right now, would you wait until he grew up and marry him? And in Ruth 1, verses 16 and 17, Ruth said, Don't entreat me to leave you and to return from following after you. For where you go, 
I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. She was an Edomite, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, Naomi was a Jew of Israel, believers in God. And Ruth says, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. She wants to follow Jehovah. She knows Jehovah is so far better than the pagan gods where she lives. Your God will be my God. And where you die, will I die. And there will I be buried. You see, Ruth is making a total commitment. When she dies, she doesn't want her body taken back to her homeland. She wants to die in the new land because that new land means so much to her. Sometimes where a person is buried means a lot to the person. And so it was with Jacob. Jacob's grandfather was Abraham. You all know that God made a promise to Abraham of various things. But high on the list was that land of Canaan was going to be where his descendants would dwell. There were other people in the land now, but the time was coming when his descendants would be numbered as the sand of the sea. And they were going to dwell in that land. To Jacob's father, Isaac, God made the same promise also to him that the land would be his. Abraham had another son, you remember, Ishmael. The promise didn't go to Ishmael. It wasn't to all of Abraham's descendants, but those who came through Isaac. And so God had promised to Abraham. God had promised to Isaac this land. That's why we call it the promised land. And God promised it to Jacob. Remember Jacob's ladder? Some of you may remember when you were young of singing the song, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder. I don't know who made up that song and what they were thinking in the dream that Jacob had. He wasn't climbing up and down the ladder. It was the angels that were going up and down the ladder. So I don't know about climbing up the ladder. But anyway, it was in that time in Bethel, Jacob was on his way out of Canaan. He was running away from his brother Esau because Esau hated him and he had reason because of all the ways that Jacob gypped him. So he was leaving the land of Canaan and here God appears to him as he's leaving and God says, this land here, I'm going to give it to your seed. And so he repeats the promise that God had given to Abraham and to Isaac, his grandfather and his father. God repeats it and says, I'm going to bring you back to this land. 
Well, now, nearer to the time that we're studying, Jacob's leaving the land again. I, I would imagine that he thought about that, the promise that God had made. I, I, we don't know just what all was going on in his mind, but they were starving there. They needed food. And so he was on his way out down to Egypt. And so this second time that Jacob is leaving the promised land, God appears to him. And that's in Genesis 46, starting with verse 1. Israel, that is Jacob, traveled with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. He said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down into Egypt. For there I will make you a great nation. And I will go down with you into Egypt. I will also surely bring you up again. Joseph will close your eyes. And so here, God is talking to Jacob again, the second time that he's leaving the promised land. He says, go ahead, I'll be with you. I'll bless you. And I'm going to bring you back. Now, honestly, I'm not sure what it means when God says, I'll bring you back. Was he talking about Jacob's body? Or was he talking about the great nation? Because God had just, before he said, God said, I'll make of you a great nation. So was he talking about the, the nation which physically, literally would come back? In any case, Joseph now for the second time is leaving the promised land into a land of comfort and plenty in the midst of suffering all over the place. His body is in Goshen. He's being fed in Goshen. But his heart is still in Canaan. Jacob wants to be buried in Canaan. There was a tomb there ready for him already. In Machpelah, which Abraham had bought in order to bury his wife, Sarah. Now Abraham and Sarah were buried there. Isaac and Rebekah were buried there. Leah, Jacob's wife, was buried there. Now he wanted to be buried there in the land of promise. And so as I look at Genesis 47, my takeaway is that Jacob's body was in Goshen, but his heart was in the promised land. And so today, the question for myself and for you, for all of us, where is my heart? Where is our heart? Where is your heart? As we've already said, in many ways, with the difficulties, I'm not denying the difficulties that are here and there are difficulties around the world, I'm not denying that, but in comparison 
to much of what is going on in the world today. We are in the land of Goshen. But is that where your heart is? Or is your heart in the promised land? You know, we sing songs about the promised land. It was Canaan. We sing songs about Canaan. We sing songs about passing Jordan. We sing songs about Beulah land. It's clear in scripture that the promised land to the Jews is a figure, a symbol, a shadow of our promised land today. Jacob's heart was in the promised land. Where's your heart? Turn with me to Hebrews. We have some amazing things stated in Hebrews. In the 11th chapter, the great chapter of faith, beginning with verse 8, Hebrews eleven eight. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed to go out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he went, okay? By faith he lived as an alien. Where? In the land of promise. As in a land not his own. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. It wasn't his own land. If you remember, in order to bury his wife, he bought a piece of land from the people of the land so that it could be his own, a place to bury his wife, and later he and the others were buried there. All right, we know all of that from Genesis. But verse 10, the next verse, we don't learn this from Genesis, but we learn it here. It says, For he looked for the city, which has the foundations, whose builder and maker is God. A city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was not only looking to Canaan as the promised land, he was looking to a, a promised land beyond this life. Something that's not clear in the Old Testament, but here in Hebrews 11, it makes it clear that that was so. And then we jump down to verse 13. After naming various ones, beginning with Abel and up through Abraham and Sarah, it says in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Grab a hold of that, will you? They died in faith, not having received the promises. Are you looking only to receive the promises of God in this life? And if God doesn't do what you think he's promised in this life, then forget it. These people died without receiving the promises. They didn't receive the promise of that being 
their land. They didn't receive the promise either of that city that it's mentioned that Abraham was looking for. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them and embraced them from afar. From afar, they were in Canaan. This is talking about some other promises. As you continue the verse, it says, And having confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. If indeed they had been thinking about that country from which they went out, they would have had enough time to return. But now they desire a better country, and in case there's any doubt in your mind, it says that is a heavenly one. Once again, we don't have that picture in the Old Testament, but that's what we're told here. They were looking for a heavenly abode. They were looking beyond the earthly promised land. They were looking to the real promised land that God has for his people. And they therefore confessed, it says, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We sing that. Is that our faith? Is that our hope? Is that our reality? This world is not my home. As we live in Goshen and are blessed materially in so many ways, are our hopes in what happens in Washington, D.C.? Or are our hopes in the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God? Are our hopes in the heavenly one? As we come to the end of that chapter 11, it mentions all the way starting with Cain and goes up as far as David in naming people. Maybe one or two past that, but at least up to David in naming people. And it says as the chapter closes, all these, having had testimony given to them through their faith, didn't receive the promise. Now, wait a minute. David was in the promised land. David was king over the promised land. And the children of Israel had the promised land far before David. But it says here they didn't receive the promise. That means they had a promise beyond this life. Their heart was beyond this life. And verse 40, the final verse in chapter 11 is amazing. God, having provided some better thing concerning us, 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 you and me, so that apart from us, 
They should not be made perfect apart from us. They should not be made perfect. That means that our hope in eternity, when that gets fulfilled, it's going to be fulfilled also for Jacob, for Isaac, for Abraham, for David, for all of the saints of old. It's going to be fulfilled for them when it's fulfilled for us. They died without receiving the promise. We too shall die without receiving the promise. And as we think of death and where to be buried, a little bit of a twist on that that comes to my mind. Where do you want to be buried? Instead of thinking about when you physically die, Think about, for most of you, when you spiritually died to sin and you were buried with Jesus in the waters of baptism, that is your most important burial. And for any of you who are listening who have not been buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, that is the burial that you need to come out to walk in a new life, to come out with the promise of the promised land, to come out looking not to this world where we physically are, but to look at the promised land, eternity, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, living with God. And if you happen to notice in the one verse that we read in Hebrews and verse 16, it says, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed of them. We talk quite a bit about not being ashamed of Jesus. This scripture turns it around. Is God ashamed of you? Is God ashamed of me? The basis in this verse on God not being ashamed is because we're looking for a better country, a heavenly country. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We are strangers and sojourners in this earth awaiting the promised land. I pray that you haven't been buried so that you can go to that promised land, that you will not hesitate to do that.
of course, along with faith and repentance, we're not just talking about getting wet. We're talking about a new birth, about a change of life. And if you've already been buried with Christ, then let us keep in mind that this world is not our home. Our hopes are not in this world, in this country, in this whatever, except in Jesus and the eternal home. Where is your heart this morning? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you have given us this account of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you, God, for the land that you promised them beyond Canaan physically. The heavenly one, the eternal one. God, I pray that you would help us not to lose sight. It's so easy to lose sight of that heavenly home in the midst of the turmoils and difficulties and necessities in this physical life that we're living. But help us, Father, not to take our eyes off the goal, to have our eyes fixed upon Jesus and the home that he's gone away to prepare for us. Bless us each one, Father. Help us in this time of turmoil and difficulty to draw closer to you, to think more of what our hope is, and to serve you faithfully. Through Jesus, I do pray. Amen. God bless you.